The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast are those of the host slash guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any of BXR entities and those they represent. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another week of Living a Rich Life. I am your host, Rich James, here on Living a Rich Life talk show. We inform, inspire, and encourage each other to live the principles of Living a Rich Life Network. Those principles are good health, strong relationships, financial freedom, goals and achievement, extraordinary experiences, and philanthropy. So it's been a couple of weeks. We've been reorganizing, restructuring, a lot of good things happening um, on Living a Rich Life. Today's our guests are, are, are phenomenal and um, they're, they're actually running a few minutes late, but we wanted to go ahead and get started and, and share with you some things that's happening in the world up and coming that Living a Rich Life will be a part of. Uh, so we, we do have the Ram and Bull event in which um, your guy, Rich James, will be hosting the Red Carpet Experience. So be sure to, to come out Saturday. That's going to be um, April 16th, right? I think my team, April 16th um, at 8 o'clock. And that's going to be at Doubletree Hilton. So that's going to be an exciting event. Make sure you come to that. Um, and then we also have Art Taste 2022, which is going to be a part of, again, Living a Rich Life. It's going to be hosting that event um, and giving you that red carpet experience. It's all about food, fashion, and the culinary experience, as they say. So one of the good things I like, I'm, I'm good to be back. Um, I know, Monty, Monty, you out there? Monty is my producer extraordinaire. Yeah. He makes a lot of things happening. So how's it going, Monty? Did you miss me? Sure. <laughs> oh, I love it. See, so we always go through this little back and forth of banter. Um, Monty keeps me on my toes. He's been doing a lot of good stuff. As again, as I said, we were reorganizing. So we have our guests there um, waiting to be let in. Um, so we want y'all to take some time, by all means, join the chat throw some questions at them, um, but we're gonna have fun. We're gonna have an interview and um, we're, gonna, we're gonna get this started. So I think, Monty, give me the thumbs up when we're ready to, to get this thing going here because I believe they're gonna log in. So again, this is BeExposedRadio.com and I am your host, Rich James. So let's see here. Ah, I think we got a few folks. Yes. Oh, loving that Hello. shirt. Loving that shirt. <laughs> I love it. My guests always come in with the with the with a good energy. I can feel it through the, through the, through the screen. <laughs> I can feel it through the screen. So folks that are just tuning in, um, our guests have arrived. Once again, I am your host, Rich James. This is Living a Rich Life Talk Show here on Be Exposed Radio. So what we're gonna do is, you know, we all have a story to tell. And today, my guests are no different. So with that being said, 
let's 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 talk about it. let's talk about it. So today's guest, uh, well, first and foremost, he is a combat veteran, best-selling author, small business owner, Rhodes Scholar, and former CEO of one of the nation's largest anti-poverty organization. And you can't have one without the other, who to me is the, the, the tip of the spear, right? And joining him, she is no stranger to politics, former top aide to a lieutenant governor, the director of business development for NFTE, loving and supportive wife, hero to her children, and her children say she is very kind and respectful and has a lot of honor. That, that's big. You know, your kids love you like that. That's what they're supposed to do. Please welcome this amazing power couple, Dawn and Wes Moore. Good to see you. Good to see Thank you. Good you to so see much. you. So it, it is, it is always good to be with you. It, it is always good to see you because I, I got to say, and one of my folks said, hey, oh, you're having Wes and, and Dawn on the show? They said that one, y'all are always so approachable, mm. always so approachable. And I think that's, that's very important. That's very important. So, so thank you for joining us on the show today. Um, we know you're born in uh, Tacoma Park, Maryland, and had some upbringing in the Bronx, New York, which I'm a native New Yorker myself. So tell us <laughs> how you bridge those words together uh, within your lives, your life's work. Yeah, man. I, I, I feel like, uh, uh, everybody who has any exposure to New York has a little bit of extra swagger, because uh, uh, even because my wife actually she was uh, she was uh, born and raised in, in Queens, New York. In Queens, uh, yeah, she's a queen. She's a Queens girl, but then uh, came down to uh, to Prince George's County in Maryland uh, in college and state. And, and you know, my journey was uh, a bit flipped. Where yeah, I was I was born down in, in Tacoma Park in Maryland, um, but uh, but tragedy hit our family um, early. Where when I was just around four years old, I was almost four years old when my father died in front of me. Um, and, uh, and my mother struggled with that and what that reality was. And, uh, and one day she called up um, her parents, my grandparents, who were living up in the Bronx. And my grandfather was a minister uh, in, in the Bronx. In fact, he was the first black minister in the history of the Dutch Reformed Church. Okay. And my grandmother was a school teacher in the Bronx for 27 years. And I always say their, their house was barely big enough for them but it was made out of, out of elastic walls because every time someone called up and said they needed help or they needed refuge or they needed a place to stay, uh, the walls just got a little bit bigger. And, uh, and when my mother called and said that she needed help, their walls got a little bit bigger. And, uh, and that's actually what brought us from Maryland up to New York uh, when I was only about, about five, six years old. Uh, and then I stayed up there uh, and stayed with my grandparents for a while before eventually moving back down to Maryland, uh, you know, when I was about when I was about 14, 15 years old. So uh, so that was kind of that journey uh, for me, kind of what brought me from Maryland to New York and then eventually back down to um, to, uh, to to Maryland. Yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. We are, we off to a good start. I got to tell you, so I've been pumped for this for, for weeks. <laughs> this week. So so can you, and Dawn, we definitely got some things directly for you, because you know, Queen, we got to make sure we get you involved in this too. <laughs> so, so Westo, can you give us some insight into what inspired you to break through those barriers of being a statistic at a very young age? And and please, you know, you know explain to our audience, audience briefly some of those challenges that you faced early on. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, whenever we talk about adverse childhood experiences, uh, the re and, and, you know, people call them ACEs, right? 
The reason they call them aces and not ace is because they're never singular, mm. right? There is no, there is no singular adverse, adverse childhood experience because they compound upon each other. And we see that with children all over. And we saw that with us in my life where, I mean, you know, literally I, I found myself, especially when we moved up to, moved up to New York, uh, that was also a place where I found myself getting very lost. Uh, you know, where I, I was now going to schools where literally, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I was, I was picking and choosing which days were worthwhile to go to schools and which ones weren't, you know, I found mm -hmm. myself intentionally hurting people that love me. So I could impress people that could care less about me. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, going through this process of where you're just dealing with so much confusion and mm -hmm. anger and hurt and the way you're processing it is by showing up right? The way you're dealing with it, and especially as a child, as an adolescent, and we see this thing with so many children who are just going through this and say, that's a bad kid, without actually understanding, like, everything that that child is trying to process in that moment, and the cage that they find themselves in, right? And so you see how this behavior shows itself out to the point that literally, uh, you know, I felt handcuffs on my wrist when I was 11 years old. I was 11, Right, right. And so, you know, so you know, my mother kept on, you know, giving me all these different threats and she was going to do this. She's going to send me here. And then finally, when I was uh, when I was 13 years old, uh, she actually made good on her promise. And she ended up sending me to military school. Literally, when I was 13 years old, I got sent away to military school that she'd been threatening me to send me away for since I was eight. But finally, right. when I was 13, she she made good on, on, on the promise and sent me away. And, and it was one of these it was one of these things where. I think about it in, in, in context where, you know, people often say, well, isn't it a good thing that you got sent away? You know, isn't it a good thing that you got picked up and moved around? And my honest answer is, you know, what happened to me wasn't the fact that I was physically transported. You know, me getting picked up and moved from one state to another state, this area to that area, that didn't change my way of thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what happened was I really did. I was, I was blessed and I was thankful that I found myself surrounded by people who just helped me to imagine something bigger, who helped right. me to understand that the world was bigger than what was just directly in front of me. Right. And, and, and so in essence, what they did was they taught me what it meant to be free. They gave me a mm. sense of freedom. And so I, I think about the, you know, the, the fact that, you know, I remember when, when I, was, uh, I was announced as a, as a, as a Rhodes Scholar uh, when, I was, when I was, you know, 21 years old. And I was a senior in, in college. And, and I remember thinking back on it, where it was like, here I am. And, and you know, the, in my hometown paper, the Baltimore Sun's writing about me getting this Rhodes Scholarship. But I thought about it, and I was like, yo, a decade ago, I had handcuffs on my wrists, right? A decade right. ago, I'm picking and choosing which days I'm going to school and which ones I'm not. And now a decade later, I'm one of 32 American students who are heading off to Oxford on a Rhodes Scholarship, the first African-American scholar, Rhodes Scholar in the history of Johns Hopkins University. That's what's up. Really had handcuffs on. And so you That's think about how that transition happens, but it doesn't happen by accident. It right. happens because we have people who are willing to intervene and make space for me to be able to grow. Absolutely, Ab absolutely. So, so congratulations are, are in order. Um, you are currently running for the seat of governor in Maryland. Um, before we even get into that, so so Dawn, I'm I'm going to say you had to be the first person that Wes talked to when he was considering to run for, for governor. So what was your initial reaction and, and were you surprised? Well, I mean, certainly 
you know, when you talk to your spouse about these things, it's a, it's a process, right? And um, having been in that world for a while, I certainly um, had to pause for a second and to, and to think to myself, you know, are you sure this is something that you want to do? Um, you know, my husband has spent his whole life in service. And so it wasn't surprising to me that he would want to serve at one of the highest levels in the way that, you know, he could. Um, he's always been very concerned about impact. And those are the things that drive him. But as his wife, as, you know, the mother to our children, I had to think about the family as well. But ultimately, um, the one thing I would say that Wes and I are great at is supporting one another. And so you know who you married and his happiness is very important to me. And so after many conversations, I always say, I was like the little puppy who's like dragging his butt on the ground and you're pulling and pulling, but <laughs> eventually the puppy gets up and is very happy and excited. And so once we went through all the things we needed to go through as a couple, I was a thousand percent in and I'm a thousand percent in because, you know, my husband is, um, you know, I, I love him so much. I truly admire my husband and leaders lead and you have to let them do what they do. Yes, I, I love it. So so we're gonna we're gonna stick with that theme now though, right? Because you know, uh, serving as a, a chief of staff for former Lieutenant Governor uh, Anthony Brown, how was your ex how has your experience influenced your role um in, in the campaign? Yeah. Well, I thank God for that experience, to be honest with you, because what it allowed me to do, because Wes is a first-time candidate, right? And so it allowed me to prepare our family to talk through, you know, kinds of the things that we needed to be able to uh, figure out as a family and how things would, um, you know, uh, affect us, if you will. Um, I think also, honestly, I know him the best. So mm -hmm. I think the team appreciates being able to lean on me uh, for certain things about his personality and the way things you know, could and should be done. So I think they appreciate that. But, you know, as I said, I am Wes's wife and that is, that is my role. And, um, you know, I thank God that I wasn't, you know, sort of thrusted into this without any knowledge, mm -hmm. but we have an amazing team. I mean, we really do. And so I, I provide support where it's needed, but most importantly, uh, we're out there on the campaign trail, uh, allowing people to get the opportunity to know us, us to find out about their issues. And I just love supporting my husband in this process. And it's fun because, you know, we've always watched each other work, mm. uh, but now we get to work together. So that's really special. That's, yeah, that, that, that is definitely a, a beautiful thing. You know, I, I have an opportunity of working a lot of different couples in business, <laughs> um, you know, and shouts out to, to Zeke, who again, worked with him and Penelope. That's always a good thing. D Chase and his wife. So there's a lot of different folks. And I think awesome people. Awesome people. Awesome. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. So so Wes, what made you choose to run for governor? And, and tell us some key points your campaign is, is focused on currently. Yeah. You, you know, uh, honestly, I think the, the the biggest things that continue to push uh, me to enter into the spaces, I mean, these are issues that, that I've been working on for my entire adult life, right? For my entire career. 
Um, and, and you realize that if we aren't actually attacking the systems, the why these, these issues exist, then you will find yourself cleaning up the debris mm-hmm. that comes from broken systems. Mm. You know, and I, I remember, I, you know, one of the initiatives that I had a chance to work on, you know, I, I led one of the largest poverty fighting organizations in this country uh, for almost the past five years. And, uh, you know, in just in my time as CEO, we allocated north of $650 million towards housing and transportation and education, uh, working to create, you know, laws and structural changes on the child tax credit and fair appraisal value for, for historically redlined neighborhoods and all this stuff. But one of the initiatives we worked on was an initiative called 90 to Zero that was focused on addressing the racial wealth gap mm-hmm. and where we were working across sectors, working with big business and banks and, and, and you know, HBCUs and all this kind of stuff to be able to address the fact that even in the state of Maryland, we have an eight to one racial wealth gap. And that's not because one group is working eight times harder, yeah. right? There are systems in place that allow that to exist and, and compound and grow. And so I remember talking to one of my colleagues and I was saying to them, I said, you know, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to kind of step down uh, because I think I'm going to go run for governor of my home state. And I was explaining to them, I say, you know, one of the issues I want to work on is actually addressing the racial wealth gap here in the mm-hmm. state of Maryland. It's one, one example of one of the things that we want to be able to get done. And they said to me, they're like, but you're already doing it. Like you've already built a, a, a huge platform that's working on this issue. Why would you leave to go run for governor? And my answer back to them was, why do you think this issue exists in the first place? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are policies. There are policies that continue to allow these type of challenges to exist. And so when we're thinking about the priorities, when we think about the idea that I want to create a, a system, I want to create pathways for work, wages, and wealth for all Maryland families. When we think about in this next decade, we have a unique opportunity to be able to make our state more competitive while also making it more equitable. That we have a unique opportunity to close the racial wealth gap. We have a unique opportunity to address issues like climate change and the fact that the state has spent over $10 billion over the past decade on the fact that we have no levels of resiliency to be Mm -hmm. able to deal with the issues of climate change. I'm like, if you want to get in the game and actually address the systems that continue to allow these ruptures to exist and and far too often are leaving people to fend for themselves, then we've got to make sure we're in that conversation. And it's not just that we're in the conversation. We need to make sure that we have the opportunity to lead the conversation. And that's why I decided to get in this race. Absolutely. Absolutely. Makes makes sense to me. Makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense to me. Now, one of the things you, you threw out there numbers, and we know sometimes campaigns, you, you know, requires some funding and things of that nature. And uh, my team put up uh, a, a question surrounding in 2019 how, you know, you were leading the race in fundraising to the tune of about $4.8 million. Um, as of January, um, we're, we're now a couple of months in. So how do you intend for you and your team to, to kind of keep that momentum of the support, especially with those top individual donors like veterans and firefighters and law firms? I mean, you're rolling. Yeah, we really are. And I'm telling you, I mean, I mean, and, and we, we are so excited just about the level of momentum that we continue to see. I mean, because, you know, if you're watching uh, the fact that, that our campaign has received more endorsements from members of the Maryland General Assembly, from, from our delegates and state centers, than any campaign in this field. Mm-hmm. That we received the endorsement of the teachers, 76,000 strong in the state of Maryland are supporting our campaign. 
that we see the endorsements of some of the, you know, some of the top, uh, you know, top uh, uh, elected leaders in the state, people like Angela Alsabrooks, the county executive of Prince George's County, which is the largest Democratic bloc of, of voters and citizens that you have in the state of Maryland. I mean, the momentum that we have is real. And, and that does include our fundraising. Uh, you know, we've done very, very well. But what's really what we're really excited about is when you disaggregate the data and you break it down, 73% of our donations are $100 or less, 73%, which means we are building the best grassroots campaign of anybody in this field. And so when people are looking at the coalition that we're building, I think part of the thing that is generating so much excitement about our campaign is our campaign is the most broad, the most diverse, and the most inclusive in this entire field. We've got endorsements for everyone from the mayor of the mayor of District Heights to the mayor of Hagerstown, right? Literally from Prince George's County to Western Maryland, you know, <laughs> urban, rural, suburban, uh, you know, former governors. We are the momentum that's being driven right now is so organic and it's so real. And and there's something really interesting and unique happening here in the state of Maryland. And I think the thing that we're seeing and the one thing we love about our campaign is that what we're doing is we're filling into a void that was already there. People are anxious and they're tired of the back and forth. They're tired of the vitriol. They're tired of people who are just looking for promotions. They're tired of people who just want to sit there and point blame at someone else as to why this thing isn't working. And they're tired of people who are claiming this to claiming to have the unique ability to solve a problem that their fingerprints are all over. And so I think having this chance to really build a cohesive unit, having a chance to build a beautiful mosaic that actually matches the beauty of the diversity of our state. Right. Yeah. That's something I think people are really excited about. Yeah. Keep, keep Key words there, I think, was uh, you said I heard was organic and, and diversity. That's 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 key to me. That's always key. I like open conversations, let it flow and pretty organic. So I, I want to shift gears a little, just a little bit, right? Because again, we're all about having a good time and enjoying. So you know, we, we mentioned your kids um, earlier, um, and one thing I know is with your kids, they identified Stevie Wonder. As <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know how you do that, but they identify maybe one that Snoop Dogg at the state fair. So, so you got to see the picture. You do have to. You got to see the picture. Yeah. Okay, okay. I, I'm telling you, we cracked up because at at state fair they have these pictures of musicians all over the walls, right? <laughs> and and it's amazing because you're going to go around, and some are more noticeable than others. And so we're asking the kids, saying like, "Who do you think this is? Who do you think this is? Who do you think this is?" And they got to this picture, and, and hopefully get a chance to pull it up to, to show to show everybody. They got to this picture of Stevie Wonder, and our eight-year-old son said, "Is that Snoop Dogg?" <laughs> and I think what's even funnier about this is because obviously, <laughs> off the heels of the Super Bowl, it's yeah. not like our eight-year-old is listening to Snoop either. But but he saw that, right? And okay. I think that what's even funnier is because Wes is really like he's into his music yeah. right and everybody from kurt cobain to madonna to stevie to biggie they were on that wall and wes can name every person on that wall and, and funny enough the owner said to wes you're the only you're one of the only people you're the only one who is able to do that right so this restaurant's in catonsville but anyway so it was it was just a great moment we it was a great parental moment <laughs> right and we obviously posted it and people, I think people appreciated that one. 
<laughs> nice, nice. So, so we're going to stick with this kind of theme, right? Um, one of the things I like, to, there's two things I always ask my guests, and we're, we're way off before I ask the, the final one. But I want to know, Dawn, what would you say is Wes, what is his superpower? Hmm. <laughs> he got a lot of superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> his superpower. I love that question. You know, his superpower is his ability to connect with people's pain mm. in an authentic and profound way. And that is not something that you can teach that comes from lived experiences, but it also comes from loving people and understanding where they are, where they are and having empathy for their walk in life. Okay. And I'll never forget this. When my grandfather met Wes, when we, when we started dating, my grandfather was an enlisted man. And Wes is an officer, as you know. And so my grandfather loved him. And the first day him. he met him, after Wes left, my mother said, well, what do you think? And my grandfather said, you know, he's an officer and I'm an enlisted man. And he listened to me. And he said, and that's a big deal for officers because that's not necessarily what they are trained to do or have to do. Mm -hmm. And um, it's powerful because Wes is one of the best listeners you'll ever meet in your life. And many people who know them will, will who know him will say that. And, and it matters because he listens and then he tries to put forth solutions if it's in his power. So that's his superpower. His ability to connect, to empathize, to listen, and then to try to do something about it. Okay, I can see. He, I can see he looking. You wasn't expecting wow. that one, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it around. So so Wes, tell us what's Dawn's superpower? <laughs> I tell you, the beautiful. I mean, I I I, I love everything about this woman right here. Um, you will never find anyone who is not just more thoughtful, but who's more loyal. Mm, I mean, if, if Dawn has got you, she's got you. And I tell you what, I mean, you know, one of the things that I was really amazed by actually when we first met was, um, was she has this click of girlfriends and, and, you know, and literally like they roll in packs you know what i'm saying like like i remember when i i mean there was a whole time i went dawn i was overseas studying and i was trying to get dawn to come over you know come come see me and come hang out and her friends like when are we going i'm like we <laughs> i'm like i invited her <laughs> but they roll deep but 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 there's a beauty there's a beauty about the fact that these are all you know remarkable and and literally have all become my sisters um but it says something Absolutely. when you watch how united this crew is, how much they root for each other, how much they cheer for each other, how much they have each other's back. And I remember when I first saw that with Dawn, where, cause it actually reminds me of a crew that my mom has, where mm -hmm. she has like a very tight crew of girlfriends, whatever like that. Um, and it was something that I found just this most beautiful, beautiful uh, trait 
that she just embodies and she and she she exudes a, a better than anybody I know where again not only just amazingly thoughtful and remarkable but loyal and she yeah. will I mean she'll she's going to the wall for you if if, if, if she's down for you and okay. um and that that means that means everything to me no no doubt no doubt I, I love it I love it all right so we shifted it into the next gear now we got shifted into the next gear um one of the things again my, my team when they do I got a, a, a good team and I, I'm sure you have a great team over there too I, I can tell that by just some of the, the different ads and just how you, how you move I really appreciate how the moors move um, and I'll share a little story later I, I keep it 100 as they say so <laughs> you're running for governor um, because you believe that no matter where you start in life you deserve an equal opportunity to succeed right. so can, can you talk to our, our audience? about how you plan to create equal opportunity in your position? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, first we're gonna, we're gonna make sure that we actually have, uh, have an administration that's actually reflective of the beauty of our state and the diversity of our state. Uh, you know, you know we, are, we are going to make sure that we're working in unison, but also celebrating everything that is the state of Maryland. And you're gonna see that from our cabinet, you're gonna see that from our, from our agency heads. Uh, we are gonna have a state and we're gonna have a leadership team that actually looks like the state. Uh, that's going to move like the state. That's going to fight and advocate for the people of our state. And, and the thing that I that I, I also believe in deeply is this idea um, that 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 expectations matter. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I I you know I I wrote a book called The Other Westmore, um, and uh, actually probably about eleven years ago now. Um, but I remember a story where I was having a conversation with the other Westmore who I wrote about, you know, the lives of these two kids and what ends up happening to cause the split. Uh, and he was just recently, and uh, he was, in, at that time, he was recently incarcerated. Now he's in, you know, year, year, year 21 of a life sentence. Um, but I remember having a conversation with him and I asked him, do you think that we're products of our environments? And he looked back at me and he said, actually, I think we're products of our expectations. And as soon as he said that, I thought to myself, he's absolutely right, that we weren't products of our environments. We were products of our expectations. And someone once said to me, it's a real shame that you lived up to your expectations and Wes didn't. And I said, actually, the real shame is we both did. Because the expectations that people have of themselves don't come from nowhere. The expectations that people have for themselves come from the expectations that other people have of them. And they internalize them and they make them their own. And so the thing that I want for everybody in this state I want people to know that the expectations that we have for every child who's coming up in our state are high. And we need to invest that way. That the expectations that we have for every student are high and we will invest that way. The expectations that we have for every, every working parent is high and we will invest that way. Then that's how we look at everything from the air people are breathing to the water they are drinking, to the transportation assets they have or don't have, to the way they are policed, to the homes that they are living in, to the schools they are attending, to the way we're asking them to retire. Mm. That our job is to make sure that we are creating pathways to the fullest of human growth and human supports, and that we become products of our expectations. We now just need to make sure that we have governmental budgets that actually reflect those values. That's that. That's what's up. You know, I, I got to tell you this. I'm, in, I'm enjoying this tremendously. It's not Me even too. enough time. Yeah. Us it's too. 
right? Yeah. There's never enough time, but you know, you know, we we got some commercials, and I know you got some other things <laughs> happening. So I appreciate y'all coming on and, and having a conversation. But I will say I am looking forward to, to interviewing you, uh, at you two once again when we get to the next level. That's that's oh, what yeah. I'm saying. So before I let you go, I, what I usually do is I have a little closing remarks that um, I like for you to, to stick around right quick. Um, but I do thank you. And this is kind of goes in tune with the whole um, whole kind of uh, backstory of, of living a rich life. So uh, this is living a rich life closing remarks. I want to thank those for tuning in and watching. I want to thank uh, Wes and Dawn for, for sharing their story. Um, so life comes at you in so many ways. And sometimes we just have to remember to keep pushing forward and get creative. With that being said, some days you have to create your own sunshine. Simple as that. Thank you, Dawn. Thank you, Wes, for sharing your story. Um, if you have an inspiring story and you care to tell it, please reach out to us, livingarichlife.net. Um, until next week, I want you to continue to be inspired to live a rich life. This is your guy, Rich James, saying goodnight. Thank you for tuning in to BeExposedRadio.com. Let's keep that more momentum going. <laughs> Peace, Rich. Thank you so much. And thanks for having us. Absolutely.